Yeah, I wanted to book you on this uh, show that I do. It's that basement show. There's no mic, no chairs, and unfortunately, this time around, I can't pay you, but there is a buffet. Cops retirement party. I got no room for you to stay in, but there's free drinks. You wouldn't mind uh, hiding out for about a half hour, 45 minutes until the uh, birthday girl gets there, would ya? Wondering if you'd like to do comedy uh, on a boat. Not a very big boat, kind of just like a real boat. Really, it's just a canoe. Let me know if you want to do the gig. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Death by Comedy. I am Chris Walsh. I'm Gary Peterson. That's right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so we should probably tell you, start by telling you what this podcast, the general idea behind it is. And, uh, you know, Gary and I were talking. We're both comedians. We've both toured. We've done a lot of really great shows and we've done a lot of terrible ones. Anyway, I was talking to Gary one day and he thought it was a good idea because we were talking about how all these shows, they're not all really great. Some of them are pretty downright awful. Wouldn't you say, Gary? A hundred percent. And sometimes the awfulness is nothing to do with you. Uh, it might have to do with the organization and it might have to do with the playoff game. It might have to do with uh, a funeral that you've yeah. been thrust into. A classic um, example, Gary, the first one you gave is where you're about to do a show and it's like the final four of like the NCAA basketball. And they're like, we got to turn this TV off. I remember I was doing a show in New Hampshire one time. It was a competition show. It was a really bad show from start to finish. Like even when we were arrived there, but I remember them turning one TV off at a time at the bar where it was like everyone moved to the next one. Then they moved to the next one and it was like four or five TVs. And then they were like, all right, well, that's over. It was like a Duke Blue Devils. Like everyone was psyched about this game. We got comedy for you. And that was where, you know, my brother and I came in. It was brutal. Um, we lost that competition. A, a comedy competition. Competition is the death of art, first of all. Secondly, yes. uh, uh, I have been around those like NCAA March Madness, every TV on in a place. Uh, probably my example of, of one of my worst simplistically worst gigs that the gig hurt, but it didn't hurt as much because I had been like battling and battling. It was the whole Massachusetts and I'll just give you bullet points of everything. It was crazy. March Madness, full TVs, about 30 of them by my count, all blasting and on. Uh, Microphone is for a, a guitar amp, which means as you speak in the microphone, immediate feedback to the level of like Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock. Uh, three, uh, the guy running it is totally insane. Uh, mm-hmm. He has brought his aunt there who is super drunk, who would uh, suddenly turn and yell at a woman near her, fuck you, bitch. Oh, wow. And then he would throw the woman out that his aunt didn't like. Wow. Her boyfriend uh, said he knew Steven Tyler personally, and he kept saying the N-word as he collected uh, 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 money around the venue for the comics, but kept it for himself. Uh, and uh, to top it off, as I will be headlining, my entire family showed up uh, wow. without uh, uh, my knowing. Uh, my grandmother, my grandfather, my grandmother's sister, my aunt Kathleen, uh, my dad, uh, his brother, and uh, I tried to do my best. Uh, I, yeah. I 
did a full 40. I needed the money. Um, and I, I ended the set with a line I use to this day with bad gigs. I said, I got to get out of here because I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and thank you. And I remember the next day, because with a, with a hell gig or a nightmare show or a crazy time, at least you can leave the show and it's over and you can deal with it whatever way you want. But when you go home and some of the audience is there, <laughs> like your grandmother, it's a yeah. little awkward. Right. And I remember this kind of uh, cutting question where my grandmother, Elaine, uh, said, now, do you do that every night? Wow. And I had to say like, yeah, uh, but it's it's not always like that. And it's then she went, like okay, like just maybe believed me, maybe didn't. Oh. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, one of those gigs, you just check off on the box to not rebook and move on. That one is a tough one because it, it quite literally followed you home. Mm -hmm. And most don't, um, you know, and and like most tragedies it's you know it happens unannounced like your family showing up to a gig um well but you know that's what death by comedy is about that's what this podcast is it's it's a reminder that even though things might be bad right now they weren't always really great um mm -hmm. you know we and, had, and we kind of love it we yeah, love it so much we love it we want to spend some time in it we want to talk to comedians about it which uh brings us to our first guest this guy is amazing um joe list he's he's a headliner he's an international headliner he came out of boston he's living in new york city you might have heard him on uh wtf with mark Marin, or you might have seen his special on youtube um i hate myself which just came out recently uh, he's one of our you know close friends and favorite comedians. He's hilarious and he's got a lot of great stories for us too. So yeah. without further ado, Joe List. Death by comedy. Death by comedy. You may have caught one of his stand-up sets on Conan O'Brien or David Letterman. He's also been on Roast Battle on Comedy Central and a slew of other television appearances, too numerous to mention. He's got several albums available for purchase on iTunes, and recently he's been releasing an insightful podcast about dealing with anxiety called Full Mental Jacket. And chances are very good that if you found your way to this episode, it's because you're a Tuesday. But if you haven't listened to Joe's other podcast, Tuesdays with Stories, you're doing yourself a disservice. So be sure to rectify that bad decision. Get over there and subscribe to Tuesdays with Stories. Post haste. We are overjoyed to welcome Joe List, everybody. Joe List. Thanks for joining hey. us, Joe. Thanks, everybody. It's always <laughs> weird because you always expect a uh, applause. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> but there all is no weird. applause. It's all weird. When I'm in this bunker, it's like my, my dead grandmother's house. Uh, <laughs> it's like pictures of dead women on the walls. Um, it's strange. Uh, I think that's kind of how this thing came about because I was, we were kind of talking, Gary and I, and we were thinking back to like the, the good old days, you know, we were like, uh, yeah, they weren't all good. Some of them were pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> some of it was awful. And I tend to, f I tend to like, that makes me happy. Like it kind of makes me laugh thinking about the awful times, you know, and how bad it can be. And I was thinking about where I met you, Joe. And I think it was in like at a show that was really bad. 
That um, makes sense. I mean, I first remember seeing you at Chops Lounge, which was almost always bad. Oh yeah, that was terrible. Uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you can describe Chops Lounge to people who never would have been there. But uh, Larry Lee I, Lewis was this like maniac who would like steal jokes from people. He was the host and like the kind of owner, like the guy who ran it, right? Yeah. He his best joke. I think it was the only one that was his. Was he said, "I know a thousand jokes all told." all told by somebody else. I that was like a great... <laughs> and then he would go like... That was a great ah! joke. Yeah. Like a, her- tar- a terrible laugh. And then they made him into the lobster for the comedy festival, the Boston Comedy Festival for a while. He was Larry Lee Lobster. Like, oh, that's right. He was like the he was the spokesperson for the comedy festival from the beginning. And we were like, that's not a good idea. Mm-mm. That guy's the biggest hack in the world. Yeah, it was so interesting because back then everyone, I guess because he so outwardly was like, I'm, I'm stealing everyone's jokes and that's my thing, that no yeah. one gave a shit because there was a comic that famously got like his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a I rumor I... that he was kind of stealing jokes. Yes. <laughs> and then that's this Boston. guy was like the, the fucking icon of the festival <laughs> and he just stole jokes. That was his thing. So I think that's what it was. It's just for me, it was like a nostalgia of how bad, like... When you start comedy, like you're, you know, you're a, a international headliner. You've been all over earth, you know, doing comedy. I mean, you were supposed to go to Australia right when this whole fucking pandemic happened. Yeah. I think you were a little thankful that you didn't have to fly to Australia on your birthday. But uh, I was when you start out, it's like such a like a nightmare for a while, you know, and then I end up having this like nostalgia for all these terrible old shows and people we used to know and. I think I think you and I met. Maybe it was at Chops Lounge, but I think where I really connected with you was in this this little gig in Weymouth, which is for those of you who aren't from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll have like ten listeners, but that's um, my hometown. Start out, but yeah, yeah. Gary's from there, and this was in Weymouth Landing, and uh, it was oh, an Annette Pollock uh, yes. show, and it was in this little pizzeria. And I remember, like, I agreed to host. And I was like, all right, well, I'm doing well. Like, she wants me to host, whatever. Like, I'm, you know, I felt like it was like a coup. And then I, I really didn't plan on, like, I was like, I'm just going to kind of show up and fuck around and get, like, free pizza in this little, like, like Italian, tiny Italian restaurant that was packed. And, uh, and I think you had to stand on stage maybe next to, like, the window where the pizzas were coming out of or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, and, and then I saw you, and I was like, oh, I got to do well. Joe's here. You know, you were probably, like, 19 you know you had just started like you hadn't been on the scene long but i knew you were funny and i knew you were like a good guy and everything and i was like you were the only person on the show that i actually knew and i was like i gotta do well and then uh and i had to go up first like it was like cold open no one introducing you right and then she gave me like a 10 page thing it was like it was stapled together but it was like 10 point font and it was like different colors and things like the font was all different colors and it was like you gotta remember this is how she talked this is not a guy by the way this is Annette Pollock who I'm gonna try and get on the show eventually if enough people would talk about her but she's like you gotta remember to, to to push the drink specials and like tell them all the shows we got coming up and I'm like Annette are you fucking serious like you can talk to her like that and I and I made it a point of the entire show I'm like not doing my bits just reading everything she wrote and just making fun of her <laughs> and then I remember I made you laugh and I was like, oh, I must be doing all right if Joe finds it funny. God, I remember that. I remember those stacks of paper, too. I remember that gig because what I remember about that gig is um, Seinfeld. Um, Seinfeld uh, played they, that place? <laughs> Seinfeld had headlined the week before. <laughs> and um, 
no place was like the size of this room by the way it was, it was like teeny. it was like this big hey, yeah. i know that room um <laughs> but yeah his biography had just come out and i remember i was like i was 19 or 20 and i was reading it was like an unauthorized biography of jerry seinfeld <laughs> and i was reading it and i was like this is like changing my life and i bought a new notebook and i was like i'm gonna write out you know how like early on every style you hear you're like that's that's what i'll do yeah that's me and then it takes you 10 years to realize like oh no you just figure out your own thing yeah, but I yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna be funny day. by wearing like uh work boots and a backwards hat like adam sandler <laughs> <laughs> that was me but that's that's what i remember with that gig is like that was my first gig of like my new life where i was right. just gonna be obsessed and and, and be shitty to women because i wanted comments <laughs> so bad <laughs> by, by the way, relatively, I don't want to make it yeah, sound yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like a wife beater, yeah. but like, he was like, I'm not interested in dating. I can't commit. Yeah, you're a loner, rebel, uh, Dottie, a rebel. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I do remember that gig. I think it was probably like Bob Niles or somebody was headlining or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah these I names mean nothing to nobody but us, but we no. care so much about them. No. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. I don't know if that was around, Gary, when you were coming up, but there were all these tiny little awful places to do comedy. I mean, Annette, uh, Annette, uh, I crossed paths her once and it was mm-hmm. like, she go, she goes, uh, wanted new comics to do shows. So I call the, the phone number for Jumbo's South and Jimbo's Jimbo's yeah, yeah, South yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Braintree. And then, uh, she's like, can you bring a couple people? And I was <laughs> like, you know, I, I could probably get a couple of my friends to come. She goes, well, how many? And I said, I think a couple's like two. She's like, no, it's 10. And I, I was like, okay, I'll do my best. And then I never called her again because I was like, I can't make you, because it was like 50 bucks a ticket, like but it included <laughs> dinner and, and Jimbo's, which is not a fucking, you know, a nice yeah. place. It's a I, think I, I think I played there once with you too, Joe. I think but, we played that same room on this, like another night, but I think that at that point it was my brother and I and you was and like, Tommy and stuff like that. That was like her crown jewel room. That room yeah. was like, that was her top right. shelf room. That kind of like supported all the other ones. That room, you could actually fucking kill there because they would right. pack them in. And I, I remember like seeing... Paul D'Angelo there, who's people, some people might know, but yeah, he's um, very he funny killed and his father had died the night before oh, and he murdered and he mentioned the end. He's like, I didn't want to do this gig, but my, my, cause my father died, but you guys really lifted me up. And my mother started the standing O. My mother was wow. like the first one up and then everyone else came up. And I remember being wow. like, yeah, ma. But it was like a, it was a deserved Jesus. standing O. I mean, he fucking murdered that room. Yeah. Um, your mother did that for me too, though. When my dog died. <laughs> and i bombed um <laughs> she just did a slow clap no one else joined her um so that being said joe i mean now like you know you cut your teeth in those rooms and you know you're better when you're like doing some of these like that wasn't necessarily an awful room jimbo's but you know it was, it was, it was a good room but like i guess my question for you is you've been doing so well for so long do you ever still eat shit ever does that ever happen with you because i don't think i've ever seen you do badly on stage I appreciate that. Every once in a while, I think the worst show I've had in a while, you were at that improv side room last Yeah, that summer, side room is the worst. That mm-hmm. was a tough one. And that one was weird because we were hanging out upstairs. Yeah. I think you were there. I assume you were there. No, this was the recent time. Uh, uh, this was the recent time I think you came back. I heard about it. I was listening to oh, it on your yeah, pod. You were, yeah. Yeah. I, but you must not have been around. I think you were out of town. But I right. was there with... and. 
Nate Bargatze was there, and we right. were hanging out in like that VIP room, which I had it's never known about. And we were all telling stories. It was Henry Phillips and Nate and myself. And so you kind of have this thing of like, we're in this VIP room. We're going to It's kill. like a swagger. Yeah, it felt like, and then they were like, it's time. Someone came up and was like, it's time to go on, boy. And I was like, all right. And yeah. then I just ate shit in that room badly. I don't mind saying this on a recording. I, I hope the improv burns to the ground. Uh, I've <laughs> never liked that place. Uh, when we moved out here, we started in that side room. That's the side room. You want to talk about a hell gig that was an amazing gig. But we lost the room because we put, I've never told that story officially, but uh, we asked um, Dave Chappelle to go up and in that side room. Like I've had very bad luck there. It's fucking, it's crazy. Um, but I, I've never seen anyone do well in there. Even when I was doing a show, a weekly show there, you know, it's, you really have to work there. It's tough, but yeah, every once in a while, but as far as like, club shows, I feel like they're all pretty good. You'll have like yeah. a drunk crowd or a drunk woman yelling or, or talking. I don't know why I specifically said woman, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually a woman. <laughs> um, but, so you'll have those, but like, it's pretty, it is pretty rare. I have to say I would knock on wood, but I'm not doing a show for another year. Um, <laughs> that like, yeah, it's pretty off, rare yeah. that you're just doing bits and eating it. Right. That is pretty rare nowadays. But how about, how about that feeling when you show up to a place and you're like, like I was actually with you uh, when you were out here and you were doing a show, I think it was in like Venice or something. And it was more the crowd than the room, but you were like, this isn't going to be good. You like, you kind of get in there and you're like, you're just, it's almost like a movie where you're like, you look around, you're like, something's going to go bad right here. Well, I'm you get wrong that feeling early, time. right? Yeah. I always go in thinking this is going to suck, but that room, <laughs> particularly in Venice, they kind of fancy it as a, as kind of a rowdy room. Yeah. They like it yeah. drunk and fight rowdy club. and weird. It's Venice like a underground, club. right? Yes. Venice yeah, yeah. underground. That's right. Yeah. It just, you know, it's, it's, you go in, I've seen like Jackie Cation and, and other, you know, killers go in and are like, this is going to be, this is going to be a road. It's like a road room. It yeah. closes this thing to a road room. Cause everybody's drinking. Uh, everybody, it's free. You eat a lot like in Venice. Yeah. Venice <laughs> tracks a lot. And, and it's right next to a youth hostel. So you get like yep. a weird mix of, international kids uh the locals and uh nightmares Local my nightmares. uh my friend got his phone stolen in there uh we we got there early and he was plugged it in upstairs and he had it on like the bar and we were i don't know if we were shooting pool or whatever but it was like right over on the side and he figured it would be fine and this guy came in and he snuck around like one of the side doors and he just reached for the curtain and grabbed his phone off the thing and then i knew the guy because he used to perform at the comedy store he goes by the White Dragon. That was like his name, his performing name. He's like this crazy fucking homeless grifter. And uh, and so we went outside, and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure the White Dragon stole your phone. And we ran out, and we like confronted him. And uh, and he's like, Come on, Dragon, give me my phone. Like, I don't have it. The guy's like, I don't have it. It was yeah. You want to talk about a nightmare? That's, that feels like a Venice story. A yes. guy named the White Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get it back if you get some heroin on you. You can trade it for. But but it, it's relatively rare. I mean, I feel like I've done hell gigs relatively recently. I mean, now I'm doing Zoom gigs, which are pretty oh, much hell gigs. But. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Our apologies. This has to be done by Zoom, but you know, <laughs> we're all heading towards like a twelve monkeys reality where we live underground and fucking don't ever see each other. It's very bizarre, but yeah. Um, but yeah, those gigs are relatively rare now. I mean, I did a gig, I think a year ago now, 
at the um, New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT. And uh-huh. it was like crazy money because some of these colleges, if they don't spend their entertainment funds, they lose them, I guess. Right. So it was like several thousand dollars. And I was thinking about leaving the whole time. Like I was doing really? the math of like, because it was a bar. They had a bar on campus. Yeah. And the bar is like over there, but they had seats set up in front of the stage. And there was like five nerds, like freshman nerds <laughs> that were underage sitting there. They were like, we'll watch comedy. Right. And then the bar, and you just had like all these upperclassmen at the bar that were like, there's a fucking nerd on stage. <laughs> and it was trashed. There was two guys pretending to like, like miming, fucking each other right in front of the stage and stuff. And they kept doing like characters, which was kind of fun. And people were like heckling, like just like, give him another heckle, like high fiving and stuff. And I was with Greg Stone, uh, yeah. who's great. Yeah. Uh, who'd be great on this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let him know. Well, we'd be happy to have him. I will. But yeah, so Greg was like trying to kind of laugh and police the room because he's one of those friends that's just yeah, in the yeah. fucking fight with you. Yeah, but that was one of the worst gigs I've ever done. I had to do an hour and it was the classic thing of like 40 minutes left. But it was enough money that I was just like, I don't I don't care if they start throwing dog shit at me. Right. But if it had been a <laughs> right. little bit, if it it's was like a, the Blues Brothers. Yeah. If the, if the gig had paid two thousand dollars, I would yeah. have left. I would have been like, I don't need the money. Right. That's, That's crazy. It it's so interesting to be in that position and just being like, yeah, I'm getting paid a, a boatload of money but I'm on autopilot. Like, what is this? It's just weird how you can, you're a professional comedian. You've been on TV. You've done all these fucking incredible things, but like it devolves into this weird fucking circus where you're just keeping these maniacs from eating each other or eating you. It's such a comedy is so fucking weird like that. That's what's amazing too. Like you said, like looking back on those old days, because like when you're young and starting, that's what gigs were like. And you just right. had to take it. And maybe you were getting 15 bucks or 20 bucks or a beer or whatever, but usually nothing. Maybe you'd have to stack the fucking chairs for them. Right, right. You know, like here's a help us out. We'll put you up. Yeah. John Fish, John Fish was the first guy that said, he's like, don't stack the chairs. It was at um, North Andover. Yeah. Whatever, comedy, yeah. whatever. Girl 93. Girl 93. And uh, they had a. Uh, stacking the chairs and John Fisher's like hey 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 don't stack any chairs yeah We're comics yeah, and I yeah. remember being like 17 and being like oh okay <laughs> um, uh, when I got I, called by Dick Doherty once I, they were like yeah we want you to host up at the China Blossom I was like great great we don't have any money to pay you I was like okay and then they were <laughs> like but you really should be getting paid and I was like oh I appreciate that you know why aren't you paying me and they were like come do it and I was like okay all right I'd love to because you know the time or whatever and then I was like, they were like, well, is there anything you need? And I was like, I just don't want to fucking stack chairs. I don't give me a free meal and no stacking chairs and we're good. <laughs> and that was the deal. I didn't have to stack the chairs when we were done. Brutal. You're going to say something, Gary. I cut you off. That's all right. I someday forgive you, uh, Joe, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the thing you're, you're definitely a, a great comedian, uh, no doubt. And uh, podcast stuff. Uh, is blown up you're, you're you're always doing great stuff when i i i don't think i revived chops lounge in any which way but i ran howard johnson's little side room which we did shows in and uh you had like tons of fans from the podcast and stuff um what i'm wondering has there ever been like an interference with like podcast fans and comedy fans coming together on a show have you ever had to like 
like people are expecting a podcast from your stand-up in some way or yeah well sometimes it's weird for me because like my podcast is so different than my stand-up and stand-up i'm sort of doing like not it's not like i'm like a hack but i'm like talking about my wife and anxiety and then my podcast is basically just saying, you know, I want to eat cum and fuck your mother and stuff. And so I, there are, I do feel like there's fans that are looking, being like, what is this? Yeah. What's with this, what's yeah. With this shit? Right. Um, but yeah, and then sometimes too, like my podcast fans, they'll like want to yell out, like, yeah, two's gay or gay or farts yeah. or something. Like, Shut up, you fucking asshole. Um, so there's weird stuff like that. But, I, I do think there's like, there's people that have seen me on like last comic standing. If they listen to the podcast, they'd be like, this is horrendous. And vice versa. There are people that listen to my podcast that think my standup is just horseshit. Um, <laughs> oh my God. But I don't know that anyone's ever shown up like hoping for a podcast. And then it's just me being like, Hey, my wife and I have sex. Right now. Yeah. Li- listen to these well-crafted jokes. I've, uh, I've managed to work on over the past few years. Well, that's like, yeah, stand-up, you're like really particularly like, I'm going to use this word, I'm going to talk about this, I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to hurt. The podcast, it's like, we're talking a mile a minute. And so people are like, you said this. I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to not have dead air. <laughs> of course. Uh, that being said, are there, I mean, you must have, I mean, I, you know, we'll save a couple for the end, but you must have a couple that you can remember that were like, worse than any other i mean uh i i know when you were cutting your teeth in new england you must have ended up somewhere in new hampshire or vermont or maine for god's sakes that was i mean just... there, there was like so many bad gigs i mean like i have one story that i've probably told a few times but like yeah. at the university of new hampshire with bob saget i'm sure i've told you this story <laughs> where i was i don't opening... know if i remember this one Oh, I was opening for Bob Saget, and I was because those days that's when I was starting to do well in Boston, and I was yeah. working at the Comedy Connection, so I would get all these gigs. Right, and they booked me to open for him at University of New Hampshire, and mm-hmm. it was like a huge room. I got there an hour early, and they showed me the room, and it was like in the basketball arena or whatever. Yeah, yeah, arena, but <laughs> well, small like school, thousands but. of people would be there. Yeah, I think there was like 4,000 people. So we were on like one side of the court and they had all the bleachers drawn out. Plus they filled the court with seats. And yeah. I was like, awesome. And I remember so distinctly being like, I should have brought a camera. I could yeah. have my camera. I could have got a good tape. And then I went back to the green room and there was the first time I had ever had like a setup, like a dre- I had a dressing room. Yeah. With like fruit and pretzels and soda <laughs> yeah. and shit. And I was like, this is like insane. Yeah. And then I met Bob Saget and I was like, Wow. And then they were like, the show's going to start a little bit late because we had an issue with the fire marshal. And <laughs> Jesus. it was like February. So yeah. and I remember when I pulled up, there was thousands of kids outside. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking it was like 12 degrees. Yeah. And so they're just sitting out in the cold. And finally, I'm like hanging with Saget. And they're like, okay, it's time. So I'm going up there. And I remember feeling so cool because it was like, I feel like Eddie Murphy because he had to walk up steps yeah, yeah, yeah. up there. Yeah. And I heard... <laughs> oh boy like they're stomping the bleachers and i was like this is gonna be fucking killer (laughs) and like the classic thing that like so many people have this story but the guy gets on the mic and is like are you ready for bob saget yes and everyone's like "Ah." yeah and then he's like we have an opener (laughs) at that point they all start booing it's just and they bring me out and they're booing. Somebody is booing throughout the whole thing. They're not yeah. all booing, but like at yeah. some point, a, a pocket is booing. Yes. And it was going so bad. And eventually, 
I got so mad. And I, this wasn't even like my style, but I was like, your fucking hockey team sucks. <laughs> and then everyone was like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> everyone was like, let me at them. And um, somebody yelled out my favorite heckle ever and part of my language. Somebody yelled, hey, faggot, bring out Saget. And I, remember, <laughs> I remember that one kind of made me laugh. I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I can remember looking over to the side and the guy running the gig and Saget was like doubled over laughing. And I was at like 12 minutes. Like I looked at my watch at the time, my digital watch. And I was at 12 and I just looked. I was like, what do you guys want me to do? And then the guy like waved. I was like, you can come off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God. Time to go. And I brought up Saget, but he loved it. Like he was laughing his ass off. He, you know, he probably sees that everywhere he goes, every college that he goes to, they try to get him an opener and he sees them just get like eaten, you know, eaten up by the audience. It was bad. That one was weird. Cause that one was bad. And it's a fun story, but it wasn't bad in that I knew they were just booing God. Right. That wasn't, it would have happened to anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was probably a lot more like some of those, it's weird. Cause some of those gigs, those VFW Knights of Columbus gigs oh, yeah. were like some of the best gigs, strangely, like those firehouse yeah. benefits. But there was a lot of crazy, like Annette Pollock gigs. I remember here's an Annette Pollock story. Those, so my favorite are the ones where it's not necessarily the show that's bad. It's the person that you're dealing with who is bad. That's so much more fun. Cause then you get to watch them before you go out you see how they're dealing with the crowd. You can make fun of them a little bit, but they're always like out of their fucking minds. And you're like, what is wrong with you? How did you, <laughs> how did you get these people in this place? How did these people listen to you? Cause I don't want to listen to you. And I'm here just to make a little bit of money. Right. You know? Well, Annette was special because Annette like has a, a place in my heart. Cause she of was course, person, like, me too. regularly booked me. Yeah. Like I was yeah, getting yeah, yeah. paid from her. I've but... hung out with her after I left New England. <laughs> She came out here and she called me up. She's like, I'm in, I'm in LA. I was like, wherever you are, I'm coming. I That's will be there. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, she, as, as you know, but people at home don't know, she got a, like a, a line and just shoot me some kind of yeah. walk on line yes. where she was, she walks by and says something, whatever it yeah. is, the, the rabbits in the cage or I don't know, order me a Coke, whatever the line is. Yeah. And so she would, this is like amazing to me. She had a drop-down screen. This is a gig in Quincy she had, yeah. in Quincy. And she had, like, a screen that came down, and she played the full Just Shoot Me episode. Wow. Like, the 22-minute episode. <laughs> wow. With commercials. It was, like, taped off of VHS. Like, she That's taped incredible. it on a VCR. And it's a bar. It's, like, a packed bar. And she plays the whole thing. Like, and she yeah. comes in in the 18th minute. She says, you know, buy me a pair of shoes or whatever. <laughs> and she wanted the whole bar. And sh this was part of the show to her. Yes. That was the opener. Yeah. Was her episode of Just Shoot Me. <laughs> so she kept getting on the mic and being like, quiet, quiet down. And people were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like people didn't even know there was going to be a comedy show, let yeah. alone just shoot me and i remember just howling laughing Nardizzi, paul Nardizzi, who's a great comic was yeah, yeah. headlining we were playing like big buck hunter right. and just laughing at the idea the audience was going to watch commercials like she was shooting right. people doing commercials that's amazing incredible and another one last story she used last yeah. comic standing as a credit and she was on as the worst of the worst like at the end they showed the worst <laughs> oh people wow show. yeah she was in there that, but that was her credit she didn't give a fuck she Did, I, I hope she played that full episode <laughs> and we i guess we'll never know but she probably did honestly she probably did yeah um, I, I think that's why we you know she it's so endearing 
Like she's just, I think it's like the, the element of not giving a fuck and just being like, I, this is my show. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you're going to sit through it. You know, the opener is, is me on screen for two seconds. Yeah. It's and incredible. One of the, similar to your experience, Joe, is, uh, and we both have opened for Louie. Uh, you obviously a lot more. Uh, I, I kind of look like the guy. So the audience would just the, in the, you know, the Somerville theater, whoever wouldn't like intro, they'd just be like, do you want me to intro you? Cause they were horrible at it. I was like, no, thank you. So I would just walk out and I would hear a big, <gasps> and, then, <laughs> and then I would start my set and I would just be like, it'll, it'll be five ish minutes before this gets to yeah, yeah. i've uh, done that exact line where i'm like don't worry he's coming just give me like 10 minutes it'll be fine. yeah yeah it's like have you you've been in like insane arenas with that shit like you know madison square garden right and uh uh have you has those ever been like a hellish nightmare because of you know just acoustics or other things well um, we did oh sorry i didn't remember that. <laughs> that's it yeah um we did a gig i mean i did the garden this is crazy. I did Madison Square Garden three times wow. with him. He did it like eight. He did it five in a year, five in one calendar year, and eight times in a in a three hundred sixty five day period. That's awesome, which is insane. So we did. I did a couple. So he was using three openers, and he started doing something which is very generous that I will will do if I ever get to that point where he brings the comic up from the god mic. And he does a bit where he's right. like being. He'll be like hello welcome to the show and does a thing <laughs> and then he'll break character after a while once the people realize who it is and he'll go <clears throat> sorry it's me and then he'll say i paid a lot of money for this guy he's great please yeah. listen so that gets the people to really pay attention but um one of the shows we did at Madison square garden was just me and him and i think it was the last show like it was the eighth show he had done so it was like the last people that were finally like all right i guess we'll go see this guy Right. And for whatever reason, I mean, I know my reason, I guess. He didn't enjoy them either. He hated them. But I fucking ate it. <laughs> and there was like 17,000 people there. And yeah. this is my favorite. So we've all done a joke that like one guy laughs and everyone's done the line of like, this guy gets it. Like he's <laughs> laughing. I almost did that at <laughs> Madison Square Garden. I did a joke and you just hear this like empty like, ha <laughs> <laughs> one guy from like the second balcony and i started i literally started to look and like pointed like i was like all right i better not point out the one guy yeah there's three guys over here are gonna be like yeah you fucking blow or whatever <laughs> luckily there was no heckles but it was a thing like i had done the room before because comics yeah. always go you were doing better than you realize and you're like no, no, I've performed here and heard the laugh. Like, I know what the laugh sounds like. I, I know what success is supposed to be. <laughs> totally. And you always, there's always gigs like that where you'll do one line that gets a big pop, like, off the cuff, because you're like, boy, I'm fucking eating, whatever it is. It'll get a big laugh, and you're like, so now I know what a laugh should sound like here. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I ate it, and I, it was like 20 minutes. It was 20 full minutes oh, and 15,000 people just... Bomb. I mean, that is like, that's the worst where you get that flop sweat and then you're just like, how long, like how much time, how long have I been up here? And it feels like an hour and you look down, it's been like under five minutes and you're just like, oh, this is the worst. Yeah. And then I you lose this. your act. All of a sudden you're like, I don't even know, like I'm doing 20, I'm on the road, I'll do 45, 50, but somehow 
I don't have any bits. Like, I'm like, I yeah. don't know any of my bits. And I remember <laughs> that show, I did a bit from like, oh, four. Yeah. Like, wow. I don't know if you ever had that feeling. Well, all of a sudden, a bit, yes. you're like, I'm telling this bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I mean, I don't have, I don't have the, you know, the catalog of solid shit that you do, but I remember when I started and they had me, uh, I think I was hosting at, um, the, uh, the connection in Rhode Island, which was like notoriously like a tough crowd. They could be real tough. I know you guys have probably done, I mean, I know you've done much better than I have down there. It was fun after the show. You'd have a great time. There were a million places to go to like a pool table here, a fucking karaoke place over here. And uh, I was there once and it was like the beginning of the weekend. It was like a Thursday, Friday hosting like an early show. And I was like, all right, well, I'm ready to go. I had, you know, 20 minutes ready. And then by the end of my first five, I was like, I got seven minutes. Like it was like I was going down to like a checklist like I was RoboCop. And I was like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Dick jokes only, folks. It's brutal. And I was talking about this the other day to somebody about the thing, because I notice it now in other comics, because I've been there and done it, where you start, when you have to fill the time, so you start going like this. What was that? What I hear over there? Oh, what'd you say? Like you start, like someone says the lightest, yeah. quietest thing. You're like, oh, maybe this will be something. And like people start pointing out, like, I thought I heard you say something over there. Or boy, can the waiter get any? And they're like, the waiter's not even in the room. Yeah, it's like it's just it's brutal. searching for anything. I remember just wishing I wanted somebody to like pull the fire alarm like right before I got on stage. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I suck. Pull the fire. You know, like just do something needs to happen. It's a horrible uh, feeling. But then when you do have someone like drop a tray of drinks or something, you're like, oh, thank God, something. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, get me out of this. I'm in a tailspin. It's like, you know goose getting dropped into the fucking ocean <laughs> right um <laughs> uh is there well is there one that sticks out in your mind above all others i don't know if we're we can bring it home here or uh well the one yeah i mean this feels like a weird thing because it's like such a strange the strangest gig again our friend that we could probably tell a million stories ben boym oh yeah about, oh i don't know if he does stand-up anymore i think he still acts and he's i actually looked him up the other day because i missed him I, I'm pretty sure I saw him out here once at the comedy store, but he's he was moved in and out like a ghost. I was like, was that? There was no one I could ask because nobody I was around knew who he was. Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, he doesn't really talk to the people that used to perform at the vault. Um, <laughs> oh, they all treated him really badly. So, uh, you know, made fun of him and stuff like that. He's, a, he's an old comic from our past. Um, yeah. He was like such a, it's so strange. It's kind of like he was such a huge part of, our lives like he was yeah. he's been at my parents house you know like yeah. spent a lot of time there but um and he was a really funny guy um uh, but um just a, a kooky guy but yeah. he had a gig when early on you're so desperate to get on stage that he had a gig at a gold's gym like he was getting paid to do someone had this idea to do stand-up at the gym like oh midday my God. <laughs> yeah. and he was talking about it and he's like, they're giving me a hundred bucks to tell jokes. It's going to be horrible. And I think he was telling like this guy, Ed Regal, an older guy or something. And I was yeah. like, I'll, I'll come. I'll do, he wanted to, he had to do a half hour. And he's like, I don't yeah. know going to fill a half hour. It's going to be horrible. And I was like, give me 25 bucks. I'll do 10. Yeah. And I remember him looking at me like, what? <laughs> no, he's like, this, this is a story about like the worst thing you can imagine. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. Just let me do it. <laughs> so I did it. And it was like an hour from my house too. Like, cause yeah. I was a South shore. He was a North shore. So yeah. I had to drive to like the North shore of Massachusetts, like an hour midday traffic. Yeah. And then there was, what time was the show at? 
I think it was like three at three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon. Oh, like wow. And this so just keeps getting awful. The guy like just worse. had a, a fucking mic stand and an amp set up like in front of the weights, like in front of facing the, um, what do you call it? The cardio machines <laughs> back to the weights. And it was like, it wasn't prime time. Cause it was like a few people. Yeah. And I remember there was like three women spread out on, um, treadmills or whatever or ellipticals and i remember one distinctly one of them was like really heavy and you could tell she's like i don't even want to be seen by anybody like yeah desperately trying yeah. to get herself into a shape that oh she feels comfortable God, with yeah and now there's just a fucking performer Jesus. she was just appalled and i remember there was one lady kind of listening and she was smiling and one guy and i remember that he looked like bruce springsteen to me he had like kind of a, a springsteen nose and hair and he was doing leg press directly behind us. Oh my and it was God. a ton of weight. It was like 600 yeah. pounds. And he kept going like, clang, <laughs> clang. And it was one of those things where you look, and he looked at me smiling, was like, sorry, dude. But like, yeah. you know, people, people work out like that. They're not like us. They're like, no, it's leg day. I'm doing yeah, legs yeah, yeah, yeah. now. I yeah, ate I my protein shake. And I have to do them now. <laughs> and I remember those gigs, I've always been aware of, gigs like this like hell gigs where you're like i am impeding on them this is yes. not we're on at the connection yeah he's he's doing his he's working i'm an asshole i'm the asshole right here. right uh but that one was particularly hellacious again it was like i was i was so young and hungry yeah. that i was like this is just fun and weird well you me. jump at it i think those you know it's it, it also you know brings to mind like you do all those shows and that's kind of what tempers you you know, so eventually, like, those are the shows that you're not thinking about when you do, you know, Letterman or Conan. But you performed with a guy clanging weights, like, rim shots behind you. Like, and then you go and you do, like, these huge gigs and you're like, ah, I, I, you know, I'm nervous right now, but I can keep it together. And that's probably part of the reason why you can keep it together. Yeah, I've done way, I've, like, I've done way worse than this. I just popped in my head one more Yo, like, great, actual great. Bring it on. gig. If that, this if is what it's done. all about. Um, this is a great one that I forgot about. Again, this was like years ago. This is a Bob Mello gig, another uh -huh. guy who passed away, who was like yeah. near and dear to my heart. I mean, gave me, yeah. we're, we're so old. This Bob Mello was a booker. You could submit a cassette tape. To uh, that's how I got work from. <laughs> yeah. He would listen in his car. He liked yeah. listening in his car. And he was a great guy because he knew comedy and he was like, I can figure out audio, which I've always yeah. thought. I'm like, why do you need a video? Just here's right. what my face looks like. Right. I don't do anything. I tell these jokes. Mm -hmm. Anyways, great guy. He passed away recently. Yeah. He fought cancer R for R. years. R.I.P. Yeah, I know. But he, okay. he gave me so many gigs. But this gig was at like 11 o'clock at night. It was this weird gig in the woods uh -huh. And I didn't realize this. It turned out it was like a some kind of AA retreat. This is way before I was sober. I was yeah. probably 21 or something. And it was like a recovery retreat. But I didn't know, know yeah. what that was or anything. Yeah. So he was like, this is a weird gig. It's in this, um, it was almost like fucking Friday the 13th, like this weird camp yeah. in the woods. Yes. And I arrived and had to park. And then they put you in a golf cart. And the guy driving <laughs> the golf cart just has a flashlight. He's just holding like a, a mag light. To, as like a headlight and he drives you through the woods and i'm on the back of the thing like an injured linesman you know yeah yeah and i got my my um <laughs> my leg out and he's like it's a weird gig don't worry and we're like whipping through the woods and i'm like this is like a fucking horror movie yeah and 
We get to the gig and there's a ton of guys in there and men and women, like, I don't know, 200 or something crazy. I'm literally in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And there's a, a singer singing. And I realize it's a three-day retreat. I'm just the one comic for 20 minutes. Right, right. And the singer singing is singing this really sad, beautiful ballad called, where the chorus is, Jesus, turn that wine back into water. (laughs) (laughs) That's the song. And everybody, not a dry eye in the house. I mean, like everyone's crying. They're holding hands and shit. And it's just like, Jesus, turn that wine to water. <laughs> and he's like, everybody stay strong, stay sober, whatever. And I'm not sober. Ironically, yeah. I am now, but I'm not sober. Right. And like half my act at that time was like drinking and driving. I'm like a 21-year-old kid. Oh, my God. So it's about drunk and fucking. And I mean, everybody's crying, hugging, beautiful fucking woo. <laughs> and then no break. They're just like, now for some comedy. And they bring me up, and I'm like, I just, the only, they should have a way better comic, but it pays 80 bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it should be a much higher level comic. I don't have the chops, and I'm just going, yeah, and I'm trying to not do drinking and driving material, but I'm like, yeah. I'm going to have to do this bit. Because my big bit at the time was about when you ever drive drunk and you drive past a cop who doesn't pull you over. And that was like my big bit. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to close with it. And meanwhile, I'm like, a quarter of these guys have DUIs. Ten of them probably killed somebody driving <laughs> drunk, you know. And then I'm like, oh, it was just they were they were nice because they were in recovery, yeah. so they were like giving. Right. But I do right. remember thinking this is insane. This is insanity. And I had it's, to get back on the golf cart and just whip back <laughs> through the fucking woods. Um, so at that the was, liquor that store was, on the way home. To, oh, totally. And that that was a definite fucking hell gig oh and one more thing just popped in no no keep going keep going because you're on a roll i love it this is, this is gig, what it takes another gig with i think it was a bob mellow gig he had these after prom shows oh really i don't I, these, didn't, I never did one of those so this was similar and the idea was you don't want your kids drinking and driving so they went to like a camp or right some kind of location it was like a ymca and they could go on a trampoline and play basketball or whatever <laughs> And I brought Mike Whitman, and it was 3 o'clock in the morning because it was an all-night thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a lock-in. Exactly. That's what, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. So it was a 3 a.m. gig. So Mike and I you know, had a few beers, right. smoked some weed, and yeah. we left his house at like 2.30 and uh-huh. drove to the thing. And I think I had to do 45, but like G, because yeah, it's a yeah, high yeah, school yeah. kids. G rating. So he did as much time as he could. And I just remember running out of time. And at one point, I was doing clap push-ups. I was like, I can do clap push-ups. And people were like, yeah, do them. No, you can't. And I was doing them. And I remember just getting up and looking at Whitman. And he was just fucking howling laughing. Oh, my God. I mean, brutal. That's incredible. I'm doing push-ups in like a gymnasium. Yeah. I think it's so funny that you can end up in such so many odd places. You know, that's not your traditional like where do people get the idea it's like if people are just like yeah yeah you can do stand up there so you know? many people mm-hmm. think that people have no idea you, you do so many gigs too and they're like we want the show to be like two hours long two and a half it's like a private event yeah and you're like you don't you think you do you want yeah. it to be 40 minutes long it's crazy have you ever done like a funeral or like a memorial no, I don't think I ever did. Because my brother and I ended up doing that once. I won't get into the details too much because uh, my friend who hired us, like he wasn't in comedy. 
But for some reason, I think it was like one of those things where they, they had an auction and it was going to go to some college fund in the person's name or whatever. And then we got there and we're like, this is a fucking memorial. <laughs> like we are, <laughs> we are here. And this is uh, like a funeral or like a wake. I mean, there's no body there. It was some golf tournament that ended with, but there were a bunch of kids there and the person who died was really young. Like it was like a before their time. And then we're there and we're just like, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. And then we, I think we kind of turned it into like, we had to go over and talk to our friend and just be like, yeah, we're just going to kind of do the auction part. You know, like, I don't know if we can do comedy in this situation. Yeah. I have done a few gigs like that where it's like, this guy died of a drug overdose, whatever. We do this every year or a lot of, a lot of gigs like that and golf yeah. gigs, a lot of those golf. But you're raising money for a good cause. It's kind of hard to say no to. Right. Exactly. But Which yeah, makes it, fun. it makes it even more out. annoying when yeah. you're like, <laughs> you know, people have died and we need you to do comedy around yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, it, it yeah. Bulger and I did uh, a barbecue restaurant in Marlboro, a cystic fibrosis fundraiser. Um, we find out it's really just to raise money for one girl who has cystic fibrosis who's there. <laughs> and uh, she's got really dark sense of humor and it, she's great she's really awesome she's like she pulled us yeah. aside both of us and was like if you two don't say fuck and shit every five seconds i won't like you and we we're like all right <laughs> she's like i want the dirtiest most hardcore show don't worry about other people this show's for me and we were like all right so we you know like we amped it up a little bit and uh and, and gave you know didn't pull back and she was fucking howling but every time she laughed she would get like this sick cough oh that no made the room go quiet so she oh, would be like no. <laughs> <laughs> and like it was like you were literally killing and figuratively killing and then and like the room would just feel like Okay, right. let's go back to it. Like they would, they would all take another, a deep, like, a collective deep breath, you know, to, to continue. Uh, she but, sounds like a like yeah. a Bond villain. Super, super bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> she, she sounds like the bad guy in a fucking Bond movie, you know? <laughs> just like everyone, uh, who cares? And then she fucking dies on you. Um, um, talking about the stuff. This is like the most I've missed stand-up, talking about the... Oh, well, we're, we're sorry for that. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a side effect, but, uh, these are, I mean, this is always some of my favorite, um, I guess discussions is when things go really, really badly. I know there's another, <laughs> the other thing is, I guess I'll just tease this cause you've probably told the story too many times. I don't even think it was a gig, but when you and Dustin went to Key West and things all went to hell, that wasn't a comedy weekend, right? Right. You guys were just going to Key West. No, that was the uh, first and only vacation I've ever taken with a man. Like we just went, we just went on a vacation, yeah. And we happened to go to a place that's like known for gay partying. But right. um, I was obsessed with Jimmy Buffett at the time. I still yeah. love, not obsessed, yeah. but I love him. I think he's an underrated writer. Whole that's, right. that's a whole other topic I could do. But right. So I just wanted to go to Key West, and because he wrote all these songs about being in Key West and drinking and these characters, and so we went on vacation. Uh, but first we stopped in Miami yeah. and uh, we were on South Beach and I was wearing New Balance sneakers and black socks and jeans <laughs> in South Beach. We would just look like two fucking idiots. And um, 
we got hammered. I mean, we're both drunks and we got like blackout crazy drunk. And then there was a bunch of uh, black women that just came up to us and started talking to us and like, we're like flirting. Now, Tom remembers that as like, oh, these are like prostitutes. Right. I remember, I thought they were just women that were like, yeah, hey, yeah. let's fucking hang. And I was like, right. wow, like killer. And so Tom went into like the public restroom with one or two of the girls, I think one of the girls. And I was left with two. Cause I remember <laughs> walking, they're like, let's go back to your hotel. And I was like, great, like unbelievable. So I had like a dame on each arm, you know, I got a lady on each arm. We go back to the hotel room and as we're kind of, me and these two ladies are kind of like getting to know each other a little bit. We're like, they lay me down on the bed and like one is like sticking her like tits in my face and Tom busts open and he's like, I got fucking robbed. They robbed me. And I did not care. Like I looked up and I was like, who dude? I was like, look at this. Look at this. I'm like, who cares, man? Look at my luck. And he, so he like takes off again. And I was like, whatever, we'll figure that out later. I mean, I'm out of my mind right now. And so, the one woman's just rubbing my like penis over the jeans and the other one's just putting her tits like, like goggles, like one on each eye. And I'm like, this is great. I guess this is what a threesome is like. And then all of a sudden they just left. They just were like, we're done. We got to go. And I was like, what? And there was like a full two seconds, three seconds of sitting there being like, that was weird. <laughs> and then it like clicked that Tom, because I wasn't thinking about Tom until they left. And I was like, well, I wonder where Tom... Oh, he came in and said he got... Ro- oh, fuck. And I looked at my bag. I had a green duffel bag and all my cash. Like, I didn't have a debit card at the time. I didn't have a yeah, bank yeah. account. Yeah. And all of my cash was gone. I just Jesus. opened it. And I had 1500 bucks. is what I left. So probably like 1400 bucks yeah. for like a seven-day vacation. Yeah. All gone. Jesus. Tom came back in. No, it was 500. It was a thousand bucks. He was like, they stole 500 bucks from me. And I was like, they stole a thousand from me. Jesus. And day one. So we had to have like my aunt wire us money. (laughs) Um, It was horrible. But I remember giving like this big Rudy speech, like the next morning. And I was like, we're going to fucking, if they want our money, let them have our money. (laughs) We're going to fucking. And we ended up going to Key West and having like this amazing time. But we would go out on these sunset cruises and we just started telling the story about getting robbed and it would kill, would kill. Yeah. People would give us money. Like people That's were like awesome. donating and buying us drinks. We kind of made some dough and got a bunch of drinks purchased for free because we kept telling the story. That's uh, that's hell that you turned into a gig. It was pretty, pretty amazing. We were like um, buskers. And then I ended up getting in a fight with um, one of the street performers. He was a oh, magician. Boy. He was a magician <laughs> and he kept doing... Um, old jokes like he was doing like rodney jokes and yeah. I, again i was drunk yeah i was like why are you fucking stealing jokes dude <laughs> i was like you're magic you don't need to steal jokes you're magical <laughs> and he was like hey i don't come down to your work and i was like yeah, yeah th- that's stolen too i was oh, like that's boy. not even and i just looking back i should have been like ah oh, it's fun he's doing jokes meanwhile i'm like buddies with larry lee lewis who that's yeah. like his whole gig right <laughs> but i do stand by my feeling i wouldn't heckle and ruin someone's show like that yeah yeah but i do stand by if you're a magician write your jokes or don't have jokes you're magical yeah Yeah. magic is better than jokes you can be quiet and do magic exactly you know you just pull the dove out of your pants 
Yeah. So you know, people will be like, <laughs> "Wow," you know. You don't need to be like, you know, my wife. Um, <laughs> that sounds like, sound like Borat. Yeah. My wife. Joe, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. By the time this comes out, so I think you, will you have a special by then or? I'm hoping to. Yeah, I'm going to have a special called I Hate Myself on YouTube. Probably, I assume it's going to be on YouTube. There's still, yeah. uh, we'll see. Could end but, up anywhere. Um, but um, yeah, it should be sometime in June, maybe mid-June or early June. So hopefully it's out right now. Go to my YouTube. Either way, subscribe to my YouTube. Oh yeah, and also yeah. get on the uh, the the Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Yeah. Either Tuesday or. The stories, Patreon. Yeah, please. get on their their Patreon. It's uh, the shows. I mean, Tuesdays with Stories is amazing. Uh, if you haven't listened already, Mindful Metal Jacket, the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that uh, I listened to the Mike Kaplan, a mutual friend of all of ours. Very very funny episode uh, uh, about. I think something definitely everybody could use right now is like oh yeah, mental no doubt. health awareness and. Uh, without being preacher stupid uh of course so you, yeah you, those episodes are so good and so you know there's a lot of practical advice and stuff like soothing. that to help you with oh, uh, uh, you nerves and uh yeah just to just say that you know uh you guys are the class ahead of me in boston comedy for sure but it's, it's been a pleasure seeing you uh expand as a performer and succeed and be a a, a true inspiration my friend oh, yeah man. likewise i appreciate that yeah, thanks for joining us. We appreciate yeah. having you. Here.